Welcome to the very first episode of the Sound and Strain podcast with Ryan Cano, and I am your host, Ryan Cano. This is our pilot episode, that test episode launch, episode number one. This is going to be a podcast about many things. We will talk about the music and entertainment industries. I will put you up on free game, doling out free advice and strategies that will help you in your artistic music career. We will talk about entrepreneurship. We will talk about music and movies. We will talk about marijuana, the business of it, and the health benefits of it. We will talk about all things pop culture, albums I am digging and jamming, movies I am watching and wishing were at least 15 minutes shorter. Thank you for taking this journey with me. Thank you. Now, let's get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Sound and Strain podcast, and I am your host, Ryan Cano. Welcome to the show. So we've reached the point of the pandemic where I created and started a podcast. That's just where we're at. And man, what the fuck? How are you doing? COVID-19, goddamn. I mean, if you're listening and you are here, and I am glad you've made it so far and are with us on this earth, I hope you are wearing your mask and engaging in great personal hygiene so we can help stop the spread of COVID-19 and we can just potentially return to regular life. I mean, fuck. The music industry, especially the concert industry, has stopped. Uh, For those of you who are just getting to know me, I am the founder and owner of The Loyalty Firm in Austin, Texas. The Loyalty Firm is an artist management and concert events company. I manage artists like post-rock legends, My Education, Texas Indie Pop Survivors, Built by Snow, Instrumental Double Band, Sound Mass, Auckland, New Zealand Post Rockers, Swallow the Rat, and solo artist Velcro Wolf, who you heard up top on the episode. Music, of course, is used by permission. So there's a lot I plan to do uh, with the podcast. One of the things I'm really doing is putting my name in front of my company for the first time. I find in you know, my travels and in chatting with people that folk tend to know um, you know, they tend to know the loyalty firms like, oh, I've heard of you guys, but they're just unfamiliar with me, Ryan Cano. And the reality of it is, you know, I, I kind of like that separation at first. It allowed me to focus on work, less on being a, you know, a personality figure out in the public. And it, it just made my company sound, you know, more important uh, than it actually was in reality at the moment it was created. You know, eventually, though, I mean, you just want to get, you know, hired for higher level work. And it's important for people to know that, well, you know, the loyalty firm equals Ryan Cano. If you like the work uh, the loyalty firm did, you know, the, like you like the work I did. So the company is basically me, myself and I. And for sure, larger projects, you know, I can scale up as need be, you know, but what you're seeing in terms of serving artists, you know, that's an initiative run by me. So this podcast allows me to put myself up front I can share my knowledge, giving you free game to help you in your music and entertainment careers. Like, I love helping. I want to help. And it's just like so many motherfuckers act like, you know, the little, you know, strategies they have is some sort of grand secret when the reality is execution is the great secret. That is the real differentiator. As they say, ideas are cheap. The dream is sold separately. This brings me to entrepreneurship. My career in the music industry started because I believed in myself 
And I started a company when, you know, larger music companies in Austin wouldn't hire me. I mean, more than half of those companies, you know, looking back now, they don't even exist for what it's worth. I mean, I'm not, not flexing or anything. It's just being factual. So, you know, investing in yourself to get ahead in your life. You know, I'll, I'll talk about business, uh, but not in like that get rich, living a rich life sort of thing, which I think a lot of podcasts, you know, tend to get on. I'm going to treat it more from a frugality standpoint, getting towards a debt-free life. You know, what are the tips to get there? How can you get there? I mean, that is where you really experience, you know, true freedom. So we're going to talk about marijuana, medical, recreational, the natural health benefits of THC, CBD, and more. Smoking flour, edibles, topicals. We'll talk about it all. I'll talk about records I am listening to, sharing stories from my past. We're going to talk about all things pop culture, records I am jamming, Movies I am watching and wishing were at least 15 minutes shorter because, well, I mean, almost all movies could be shorter. And it's not just all me. You know, some episodes will have guests to interview and we'll get to dive deeper into products and strategies and stories I find interesting. So that's where we're going to start this episode. We're going to start with a confusing product launch that is, you know, taking over the, you know, the public zeitgeist and... Honestly, blew me away because fuck, I just want to talk about something that will automatically age this podcast within a few years and make everybody go, huh? Because we just, we just need to talk about this company. We need to talk about Quibi. Well, what's that, Ryan? Quibi. Think of it as a new channel along the lines of Netflix, Hulu, etc. It's an app you can download from Apple or Google Play. They have, you know, quote unquote, quick bites of TV shows. It's a series of sneaks, if you will. <laughs> oh, shit. Spoon. One of Austin's great bands. Series of Sneaks. Great album. But yes, quick bites of a TV show that initially was only able to be watched on your phone. Not necessarily a terrible idea. Short TV shows. Yeah, man. I'm in. I mean, the investable technological gimmick was that you could not only watch in landscape or widescreen mode, but you could do this vertically. The idea was that Quibi could be your TV channel on your phone and you'd be watching it in between things in your busy life. A purported 9,000 albums of content will be released this year. TV shows would be coming out once a day, somehow, you know, ignoring the public's media consumption behavior since streaming movies and TV became the norm. Um, but, you know, I guess this is a great idea to get behind. Um, surely investors love that it was, you know, streaming and they, you know, it had a new technology and it had an esteemed founder and CEO. You know, one founder and chairman of the board has several blockbuster franchises to his name, like Shrek. And, you know, he had a movie studio to his name, you know, DreamWorks. And this we're talking about Jeffrey Katzenberg. So the creative content side of the company, essentially. Meg Whitman, the CEO of Quibi, would be the other person's, you know, the other person that investors love. Meg's history of running tech companies during growth stages like eBay or turbulent stages like HP, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that gets investors, you know, frothing at the mouth and that's a superstar team the hedge investor class they they've just had to love that so big money poured in i mean by march before the app even launched they had raised 1.75 billion dollars holy fucking shit when you raise that kind of money i mean you know all lies are going to pay attention I mean, I was certainly intrigued, but, you know, probably more as a skeptic, to be honest. I mean, big money for Quibi brings outright haters, you know, in a city typically happy for a new buyer to come to town. But, 
you know, really it's, it's all good until launch. Right. So, you know, even as someone sitting on the side as a skeptic, very early on, you could see the launch was the problem. Quibi dropped right when the pandemic was ramping up. So that became a full blown reality for us all. And many of us quarantine or at, you know, minimum working from home so much for grabbing our attention spans when being busy and in between places. I mean, we're basically home all the time now. So additionally, when Quibi first launched, you could not take screen grabs. Huh? What? Like, this has to be the case of content creators not talking with technology. Like, why would you not be able to use your phone to grab a screen from a show you're watching on Quibi? Uh, you can now, but you weren't initially at launch. And, you know, initially, you know, you weren't able to cast Quibi onto your big screen. So now that we're all home. I mean, we love to watch movies and shows on the TV. I mean, Quibi was just, you know, native to your phone and certainly no smart TVs were given an app from them, which was just not just just so dumb. So limiting the ways you consume media in this day and age is just it's just fucking stupid. I mean, did not a single person in the company look at how they consume media themselves or even how their kids consume media? I mean, already from the get go, there is too high a hurdle and change behavior for the average consumer to want to engage in. You're asking too much. For people to just watch a TV show on Quibi. So, you know, you're not even able to share this cool TV show if you did get on Quibi because you can't screen cap it. You can't really talk about it with your friends because you're sort of stuck on your phone. You know, if you can't do this through social media and you can't talk about with your friends in real life, you're really just, you know, killing the way, uh, you know, it kills your buzz. It kills your ability to have, you know, a hit show great, you know, create some sort of viral or meme quality moment. This kills your word of mouth momentum. This damages the user experience and you only get so many shots. You know, the other aspect of that is just when, you know, you can't use your phone because you're watching Quibi and you know, there's a huge part of you that feels like you're kind of missing out on your life because of that. So now you are using your phone purely as a TV device. And, and just before you think I started some podcast to trash Quibi and their product launch strategies, Know that I did a 14-day trial with Quibi to take in the service, and I personally found myself getting on my laptop while you know the phone just went on streaming whatever their Quick Bite TV shows are, or Quipisodes, which I don't know what you call them. This is where I'm going to say something good about Quibi. The TV shows themselves, very high quality. Hollywood-level productions, you know, big recognizable names. You know, I have to expect the content to be the issue, and mostly wasn't in my estimation. I mean, they surely don't have the hit that will make you want to pay $4.99 with ads, $7.99 without ads once that free trial is over. And by the way, the ads are Quibi's too. They're like 5 or 15 seconds max, and they're at the beginning of episodes and at really no other part of it. So it's a pretty smart way to get you to watch 10 ads for what's essentially 60 to 90 minutes or so of content. They even produce some weird ideas, which I respect. You know, Adult Swim produced many weird ideas over the years that has led to some pretty profitable existence and a, with a loyal fan base at that. It's the weirdest show I saw on this, uh, on Quibi. It was called Dummy and it had Anna Kendrick. I just fucking love Anna Kendrick. She's just smart, talented and funny and just sexy. Uh, she just seems like a really cool person away from the screen. Like if you met her in real life, she's probably like a pretty dope person. Uh, and this show is just weird, uh, which is, you know, pretty rad. Uh, dummy is just about an aspiring writer who befriends her boyfriend's sex doll. Yeah, no shit. Uh, it's more clever. Uh, you know, it's more clever than outright funny, but I enjoyed the weirdness of the storyline and how ridiculous it is. You know, you get to see 
and his character in the sex doll go on adventures and sing like holes doll parts, for instance. I mean, and the first thing I, I watched jumping onto the platform, it, what though was, uh, it was Kiefer Sutherland's The, the Fugitive. Uh, this basically was like a 90 minute episode of 24. And I think it had a lot of the same producers and writers involved. So, you know, those, those guys are just, you know, those cats, you know, did a cliffhanger, like every fucking commercial break. So, you know, this platform seems right up their alley for storytelling. So yeah, the show, the show is just, it was just kind of all right. You know, the episodes are so short that it's hard to kind of expand on the vision, uh, to a big storyline, a big, like encompassing, like, uh, conspiracy. You know, you gotta start to notice how, you know, quick a production like that likely was. I mean, it was probably like, hey, Kiefer, you open for a two-day shoot? You are great. And, you know, that, that was it. So Kiefer's production company produced a few things for Quibi. Uh, I w- then went on to watch The Stranger, which is a thriller starring Dane DeHaan. I hope I'm saying that dude's name right. Uh, it honestly was a pretty decent show but it kind of ends like in a lame way it was just sort of akin to like any stalker anxiety induced storyline definitely not unfamiliar but done decently you know after that i watched a hashtag free rayshawn series and listen the synapsis is 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 a, a black military veteran finds himself in a showdown with new orleans swat team and tries to talk away uh, he tries to talk his way out of a situation with the help of a sympathetic officer and honestly, if you're paying attention to all the things that are going on right now, I mean, it's just going to leave you like, it's just going to leave you upset like a motherfucker. I mean, seriously. Uh, and if you are curious about what I mean about the things going on right now, let me just go ahead and say it for you motherfuckers, just in case you'd want to know where I stand on this. Black lives matter. If you have a problem with that, go argue with your mom. I don't give a shit. All right. So anyways, uh, sorry to sidetrack there, but, you know, after watching two thrillers on Quibi, you know, I just kind of had to get away from that. Uh, so I wanted to watch like some funny stuff. So I went and watched, you know, a comedy called Flip starring Will Forte, you know, from MacGruber, you know, and other things. And Kaylin Olsen from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And it's a TV show. It's about two aspiring TV show house flippers who end up finding a ton of cash in a wall of their first flip. Uh, but that turns out to be the cartel's drug money, you know, one of their stash houses. Whoops. Hilarity ensues. So, you know, it's a decent idea that might be better picked up for a 30-minute show, honestly, if uh, Quibi doesn't stick around. You know, for, you know, Forte and Olsen's, you know, the dynamic is just pretty great. They're just super funny-ass actors riffing off each other. It's honestly, you know, one of the, like, first really good things that I saw. Um, but the most original thing I saw came in the you know the comedy category too and you know the most original thing out of the whole platform is agua donkeys that's right the name of the show is agua donkeys the show basically follows two best friends who you know they kind of remind me of like beavis and butthead and they have a crush on a co-worker you know yeah two dudes are best friends crushing on one chick uh, but when they find out she's single they basically try to get her attention so you know, their boss constantly steps in the way of their plans as they come up uh, with schemes to try to do, uh, quote unquote, the chunkiest gainers in town, uh, which is essentially just jump off a hotel rooftop into a pool because it's only been done like one time before. Uh, you know, it was pretty good, man. It was pretty funny. It was like super quick and just, you know, had a good feel to it. Um, it was a funny or die production. And honestly, Quibi should do itself a favor and try to find more original comedic voices and fast action, those scripts, because this was fucking dope. 
and it was really, really uh, entertaining. It went by so fast, I kind of forgot that, you know, how how I felt trapped on my phone kind of watching this, you know, super tiny screen, which I would definitely prefer to be on my big screen TV. Yeah, so Agua Donkeys. The best reality show, though, that I watched was Let's Roll with Tony Greenhand. God, I hope that's his real name, because if so, I mean, it's just a destiny. So... The show basically is that, you know, Tony makes like gigantic, uh, smokable art pieces. I mean, the first episode, I mean, I'll kind of ruin it, but it's still interesting as hell. But he makes Hannibal Burris a Chicago deep dish pizza. Like each slice is smokable with waxy marijuana oil acting as like the gooey cheese between it. Like it's fucking like pretty amazing to see like this art project just come together. Uh, you know, and Tony's like a super good host. He's funny. He invites on cool comedians on the show. Uh, you know, screen grab this show if you're watching it. I mean, goddamn, this should be super viral. And, you know, quite frankly, it just needs a second season. Like, give me more of Let's Roll and give me more of Agua Donkeys. Uh, so the other thing I watched on Quibi, I don't know. There weren't much to talk about. Like, the relaunch punk was okay. Like, I guess I kind of felt like... You know, most stars being punked didn't even know what punk like fucking meant. You know, it's like it's just so past their time. So like, I don't know. It just came across weird. Uh, I watched a few episodes just kind of with the stars I already knew, like H Town's Megan The Stallion. Um, that could be a very viral or memeable show, honestly. And again, Quibi dropped the ball at the launch on that. Like, I, I just can't fucking imagine like how they missed that. Uh, you know, maybe they strike it right on season two, but the platform just like did a show like this, a pretty huge, dis, you know, just a huge disservice. Now, to anyone who knows anything about streaming knows a few things. YouTube has the largest audience of any video streaming platform. What their stats will tell you is that their users play and interact with music videos more than any other platform on their stream. Music continues to dominate YouTube with more views Per video than any other category so when normalizing for the duration of each upload music lead uh, music lead is even more pronounced right so music's 2944 views per minute on YouTube is more than double that of the entertainment category and roughly 22 times greater than gaming so why do I bring that up where the fuck is the music programming on Quibi where the hell is it? Seriously. If you want to get users or you watch a program on your platform and you didn't like think to include the music part of entertainment at all, I mean you have stats sitting there from other platforms telling you what to do. I mean, goddamn, this you know, this pandemic has seen like a superstar like Beyonce release a visual album related to the Lion King on Disney Plus. And yet Quibi didn't think to do more music related programming. I mean, isn't a song just a Quibi of an album? You could have exclusively released a visual album for a superstar like Taylor Swift or Billie Eilish or someone along those lines because Quibi, you definitely have the budget for that. And those artists bring an audience who would have downloaded Quibi. And if Quibi could have nailed that user experience, those fans would have converted at a super high rate. And, you know, the only music adjacent programming was a mini doc called And Music, which highlighted various aspects of the music industry, like audio and music, writing and music, lights and music, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, it's not super informative, but it was fun. And I, you know, hope they make more like that. Uh, they had another show called Cup of Joe, which stars, you know, Joe Jonas, I believe. It's, it's one of the Jonas brothers, but, you know, 
that's a start, you know, when it comes to, you know, who can bring an audience, but his show wasn't musical. It basically was just a travel show when he had a few hours off, you know, before a gig on the Jonas Brothers tour date. So, you know, and they're, they're only five minutes. So you don't really get to see like, it isn't like he spends like five of those episodes in Amsterdam. It's, it's, it's a tiny amount of town and Hey, shout out. He comes to Austin. He like greets Matthew McConaughey, of course, uh, on the UT campus. And, you know, that was a pretty cool thing to watch. Uh, you know, it's cool that he did that when he was, you know, hanging out. I think they performed at the Frank Irwin center in town, but you know, back, back to my point though, uh, Quibi should have visual albums. They should have dropped, you know, a Quibi of a song and drop, you know, an episode of a day leading to an album drop and just, you know, pick your favorite top 40 artists and let them create something cool to watch. I mean, it's, it's like fucking mind blowing that no one noticed this gigantic hole in programming. Uh, quality music is just sticky as fuck and like superstar musicians bring loyal fan bases, you know, let them produce documentary concert films, visual LPs, like anything more they can dream up. I did see one interview show that was kind of like interviewing musicians and that seemed pretty cool, but like I didn't find it on the platform. I found it on the YouTube channel for Quibi and goddamn, that's, that's a problem right there itself too. So you know what hasn't mattered for almost the entire conversation? How can I watch in portrait mode? Who gives a fuck at this juncture? Like it just isn't being used in an innovative way. Like if I could twist that screen from landscape to portrait and then follow like a new character or a new story point of view or something like that, like that would be huge. I mean, it would make the show interactive and like I, that takes a lot of brain power and a good team. And it's, it's, it would be a crazy way. It'd be a lot of like, you know, loops to have to sort of figure out, but it's doable. And you know, what we have now is just sort of a smushing of characters on screen and like people cropped in sort of weird ways when you, um, you know, get in, uh, portrait mode it's convenient but it's not a groundbreaking experience and entertainment is an experience and when that experience is this closed i mean it's really hard to feel you know the joy uh, of expression that music and film gives us so you know quibi it's a bit of a mixed bag for me uh, i'm not sure who most of the content is aimed at to be honest like is it someone like me who is 40 who actually can remember punked or is it someone who is 20 years old? Is, is it both? I mean, let's roll dummy and agua donkeys were fun, but I mean, they're not enough to kind of, they're not going to be enough to keep me there. And I'm glad I did a product trial before starting a podcast, sort of trashing their pretty bizarre business launch practices. Uh, it, it helped me appreciate more about what they were doing. I mean, the content is high quality. And although they don't have a pure hit on their hands at the moment, I mean, they most certainly have the mud money and they most certainly have, you know, the creative talent to find something like that. Uh, there's just definitely no oranges, the new black or house of cards, if you will. But the pre-launch and post-launch strategies are just confounding and, you know, lack of communication. And, you know, this, of course, let all the drama of Quibi start leaking out. I mean, you can look it up. You know, it's it's fairly juicy, but I mean, it, it seems like a tale of two companies and, you know, two opinionated, you know, strong headed CEOs battling against each other. You know, Mag, probably not a good judge of what's good for entertainment, but she just wants to see what the stats bring. And then someone like Katzenberg is, you know, known for taking risk and advances on films that you know, the stats wouldn't have like told him to do. So he really feels that he just has the Midas touch, so to speak. And 
that just leads to a huge issue. Anyways, but goddamn, what a way to fuck up your launch. Uh, it was restrictive and a closed experience, and thus you just really never heard about it after launch except for, you know, in situations much like you're hearing me go on about. It's really more about the drama and, you know, less about what they're creating. And like, you know what, man? Speaking of confusing-ass product launches that were recently happened and recently done, like, what the fuck is HBO Max? Like, the HBO Max setup shouldn't be so complicated. Instead of Max, how about just expanding HBO in general? Like, HBO Max isn't as an, you know, as an app isn't available across all app stores yet. So, like, I can only watch HBO Max on my laptop or Apple TV. Like, I, I don't have Roku. And it's not available on LG, you know, TV, OS, you know, our operating system. It's not available on Amazon Fire, you know, tablets. So, again, it's with the limiting media thing. I want to watch my channel on any form of media I can consume media on. HBO Max is just confusing as branding and a confusing as product. And when it definitely didn't need to be that way, like, what the fuck are there exclusives of on, you know, on HBO Max that I can't get on HBO, HBO Go or HBO Now apps? That just, it just doesn't even make sense. It's like, just make, make it all one HBO thing or not. I mean, a plan like this only makes sense when you realize the parent company is AT&T. Yeah. Damn. So that's, that's my free consulting guys. You know, let me, let me fix some of your shitty business practices, guys. You know, just take that advice. It's, it's, it's out there. So, yo, Hey, that's a wrap. You know, episode one is in the books. I want you to make sure you tune in next week for what will be the episode two of Sound and Strain. Uh, I'm not going to tease, you know, the content of next week's episode, but, you know, I think it's going to be a juicy one, too. Um, We're just going to talk about the music industry a lot and kind of how we got to this point. Uh, Before I even tell you my origin story, maybe that'll come in like episode three or four or something like that. I'm not really sure. Um, So anyways, thank you for tuning in to this debut podcast episode of Sound and Strain. I am your host, Ryan Cano, and I want to know what music you are listening to right now. What strains of weed are you smoking right now? If you have any questions, maybe your band needs help on the next step, where to maybe invest your money and time artistically, give me an email at soundandstrain at gmail.com. Soundandstrain at gmail.com. I want to know what music you're listening to, guys. Seriously. Let me know what weeds, you know, let me know what strains of weed you're smoking. Let me know what's helping you get through the pandemic, all right? All right, that's it, y'all. So we're going to let Austin, Texas artist Velcro Wolf take you out with their new single, Walkman Wars. See you next week. Peace. I got the